0: Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And today, a look back at the game against the Wofford Terriers—a Toriel win that gets the Toriel's to six and five on the regular season as they head into their regular season finale against NC State later on this week. We will not talk uh too much at all, really, about that game. Um, We will focus on the game against Wofford. We'll, of course, go through, give you a look at the box score, talk about some of the biggest headlines, including uh, the two quarterbacks that we got to see the other day. Uh, And then we will also hand out our player of the game, tell you a little bit about uh, a couple of closing notes, including some milestone watches for the current guys uh, on the team this season as they head into the final week of that regular season. And also a big gift coming from a former Tar Heel uh, who does get a – uh, position room named after him today, as Mac Brown announced during his press conference earlier today. But we start with something that Mac Brown also talked about a little bit during his press conference earlier today, and that is, of course, Sam Howell, the starting quarterback for the Tar Heels. Uh, he was out for the game against Wofford. Not really all that shocking. Uh, Mac Brown said in the post game basically that this was, you know, game time decision, um, game day decision, more of. They did say that. Uh, actually during last week's press conference, and that was the truth. They woke up uh, on Saturday morning and basically made the decision that he was not going to play in this game. Uh, Mac Brown seemed to hint that he thought Sam could have played if this was a more important game, uh, but that they did want to have him healthy for that regular season finale against NC State. Came out today and said that uh, he likes what he's seeing from Sam Howell and feels like he will be ready to go. Uh, for that game against NC State, I think we both agreed here uh, on the podcast uh, that look if if Sam Howell can go in this one, uh, he will probably be able to go. Um, you know, I, I'd I'd be pretty shocked at this point. I know it's still early in the week. Uh, I don't know how you feel, Josh, but I I feel like at, at this point um, it'd be it'd be a real shock to me if we don't see Sam Howell on Saturday in the regular season finale.
1: Yeah, I do feel like he'll try to give it a go as best he can. And if Carolina wants any chance at winning uh, against NC State on Friday night, they're going to need number 7 to be out there playing quarterback for them. Um, And, and, you know, it would be a great way to finish out his college career if that's the end of it, of knocking off NC State. State's still playing for a lot. They've still got a chance to make the ACC title game and even back their way into a New Year's Six Bowl game. Um, and so, you know, there'll be a lot on the line on Saturday, and if Carolina has seven, I feel like they got a better chance to win than without them. Yeah,
0: and uh, I, I mean, I, I definitely think that it, it seems just from some of the stuff that was even coming out last week that he I, – I, d- I definitely think if he if he had to have gone this past weekend, he would have gone. So I I, I think everything should be pretty positive – um, and look, you know, you did get a look at some of the quarterbacks, uh, the other day, uh, just in case, I, I really hope that that's not a scenario that you're going to have to run into in this game. I know that some people have tossed around the thought and I think it's interesting if, you know, Carolina is in a bowl game now. Um, and especially with the number of bowls that they have this season as, as a six win team, there's no doubt they're locked in. Um, I, I, I would be stunned though, if. Saturday is not Sam Howell's last game. Um are you I saw I saw some people tossing that around today. Are you thinking that if Carolina uh e- even if they win this game, are you thinking that this is it for Sam Howell? Yes. He'll probably sit the bowl game out?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and he should. If 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 he's going to the NFL, he doesn't need to bother playing in a meaningless bowl game. He has nothing left to prove. No no bet- that that one tape isn't going to improve his draft stock or worsen his draft stock. But this brings me to another thing that I've got to complain about.
0: Here we go.
1: I don't think, I think the whole bowl system needs to be overhauled anyway. There's too many bowl games as there is. I don't think you should make a bowl game if you don't have six wins against group of five or power five competition. Well,
0: now there's no way that you could do that because there's going to probably be teams that are five-win teams that are going to make bowl games. Because there are, what now, 41 bowl games or something like that? Which is why, and maybe
1: whenever we expand the playoff, they'll just go ahead and overhaul the entire bowl system as it is because there will be enough money in the playoff to still give the conferences the money that they say they need to operate. Um just because you win six games doesn't mean you go to a bowl game. Like, especially if you're beating Wofford to become bowl eligible, you're not. You're you're getting rewarded for beating teams that you should beat. And look at the years when you play two FCS opponents. Well, now you just got to win four games and you can
0: go to a bowl game. Well, those those were. Uh, remember back when Carolina played two FCS opponents there was the notion that you had to get to seven wins to make a bowl game. I, now I, now that notion's gone. Now because be of the six, amount of bowl.
1: I think it should be six. I think it should be eight. Five, six group of five, power five wins. You can still have seven still or eight wins. No, what I'm saying is. I
0: think you should have to win eight games in a regular season to be a bowl team. Because I, was, I think that the amount of bowl games should maybe be in the 20s.
1: There shouldn't be that many bowl games. You should but, have the New Year's six, three or four other bowls, and that's it.
0: Yeah, they're not going to do that because they just make way too much money off of some of these. And, I mean, look, some of the destinations are legit. Like, I mean, look, going and watching them play the Pinstripe Bowl in Yankee Stadium, that's probably pretty cool. Like, look, if Carolina was to get selected to that bowl game, I would probably look into it and look to go. I I think that'd be a cool environment to go watch the team play in. And it's it's a relatively competitive bowl game. Um, Fenway, the Fenway bowl this year probably would look into that, but some of these ones like, I mean, especially like you're getting now to like the barstool, Arizona bowl, uh, the Jimmy Kimmel live LA bowl. Like now, I mean, that's the, th- you're even getting to the point now where the sponsors are just outrageous. Cause you've got so many different bowl games that it's, it, it's getting crazy. I, I don't, I don't. Man, I, I I've been on that train for a long time. That they need to slim down the the overall bowl structure, um, especially like if if they expand the playoff. I mean, at that rate, who See, this who's going to play and who's going to play in those bowl games?
1: This is why we need a college football commissioner, you know, SAR, whatever they want to call it. And I'll I'll send in my application because we need someone devoted to wow. looking at the issues in the college football. And helping addressing it because what they've done is they've lessened the meaning of making a bowl game that's what's happened with well the, the playoff has with done the expansion that too. of with the expansion of bowl games and then like even last year with covid you had teams were like two and seven in the regular season playing in bowl games
0: yeah now, last year see last year you shouldn't have played bowl games should have been I, I mean it should have been that simple like you
1: know maybe we should just get back to letting college football riders determine the national champion off of like six or eight bowl games they didn't have as many
0: issues. Back no, then. no, no. That's that's terrible. Tim Brando would probably agree with you. Yeah, but uh, no, I think the playoff system is it's what's made it worse. But look, Carolina's in a bowl game. the The way to look at it for Carolina is one, you get the extra practices, and two, as we mentioned, if Sam Howell moves on, this is a chance to get a look at at, at your quarterback situation. And look that that's how we'll start the box scores. We'll take a look at, at at you know both of these teams in this game. Carolina 519 yards of total offense, 214 passing yards, 305 rushing yards on the ground. So a successful day for Carolina running the football. Got to see both quarterbacks, Jacoby Criswell, 11 of 19, 125 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Drake May, 7 of 9 89 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Criswell played the first half. May played the second half exclusively for Carolina. Uh, Four drives for Jacoby Criswell, three drives uh, for Drake May. Um, Both quarterbacks had pretty successful days on the ground as well. Criswell, five carries, 66 yards, and a touchdown. Drake May, four carries for 38 yards. Uh, And then, you know, on the ground, Carolina's leading rusher, uh, what a spectacular senior day for him. Easily a career day for British Brooks. A uh, guy who's been a special team standout for the Tariels over the last couple of years, uh, has been their special teams captain for the last couple of seasons. And in this game, got his chance to shine. Seven carries, 89 yards, two touchdowns. Ty Chandler, 10 carries, 78 yards. Uh, did not find the end zone. He was the leading rusher for most of the day before uh, British Brooks overtook him in that fourth quarter. At at, uh, wide receiver Josh Downs, again, another successful day for him. 11 targets, turned that into eight catches for 89 yards. Uh, J.J. Jones, three catches, 61 yards on his four targets, including that, uh, that tumbling grab. Uh, on the deep pass from Drake May. Um, he had some some promising moments, and he also had that drop that you would have liked to see him pull in, but still showing some nice signs. Uh, and he, shockingly, was the only one of those true freshmen to play. I definitely thought we would see Kobe Paceauer, Gavin Blackwell in this game, but part of that, and we'll talk about that here coming up, Carolina didn't create enough separation to be able to get some of those guys in until... Really late in the fourth quarter. Also, Wofford did a couple of things. But still, uh, you, you know, you saw J.J. Jones with that 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 nice showing. Garrett Walston, two catches, 32 yards on his senior. Those were the only uh, Tar Heels with multiple catches in the game. As for uh, the defensive side of the football, Carolina – uh, leading tackler once again, Cedric Gray. He has had a tremendous uh, second half to the season especially, but really since he came in as a starter in that game against Virginia, eight total tackles, three solos, half a tackle for loss. Uh, Giovanni Biggers, a pretty good day for him, six total tackles, uh, five solos, uh, and one and a half tackles for loss. And then some of the other guys that stood out, Ray Velasik on the front line in his final game in Keenan Stadium, uh, four total tackles, three solos, and two tackles for loss. Kevin Hester also had a pretty solid day down there. Four total tackles for him. Two of those were solos and one tackle for loss. On the Wofford side of things, they had 302 yards of total offense in this game. Uh, Most of it came on the ground, or yeah, majority of it came on the ground uh, and their quarterback had a successful day as well. Stop me if you've heard this before, a running quarterback that gives Carolina a little bit of trouble. Peyton Derrick, uh, eight carries, 69 yards, uh, did not score a touchdown though. Ryan Ingram, 12 carries, 50 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Nathan Walker 12 carries 40 yards so no one really killed Carolina but it was just methodical running of the football that took a lot of time off the clock and once again Carolina had some troubles getting off the field on third down which we'll talk more about that here in a second. Uh, Through the air Derek just 8 of 10 for 93 yards did throw an interception Um, and uh, their leading receiver in this game Jim Welsh three catches for 42 yards. I think the biggest thing, of course, when you look at this game, and it makes a lot of sense, is the thing that we knew we were going to be focusing on the most when we got into this game, which was once we found out Sam Howe was out, what did these two quarterbacks look like? Because this sort of sets the stage for next season, and who knows? I mean, look, again, we, we heard the comments today from Mac Brown. There's still a chance one of these two guys has to play against NC State. I think both guys had their moments where they looked good. But for me personally, I thought Drake May was the better of the two quarterbacks on Saturday. How did you feel about it?
1: Yeah, I definitely felt the same way. Um and and, and to be honest, that was my expectation going in. I think Drake May is gonna be a more gifted quarterback, is gonna be I, I've thought all year long entering next year, he was gonna be Carolina's starting quarterback. If Sam Howell were to go pro. So I wasn't overly surprised by that. Now look, does he gotta add some weight? He's going yeah, he's he's gotta get a little bit bigger. But I do think he has the, you know, he's got more he's more gifted, he's got more talented. I think he fits the offense better for what they want to do anyway than Criswell. But you know, I do think if they, they both showed enough to where if we enter next year and we enter fall camp and they're still battling for the job, I still think Carolina can win with both these guys at quarterback. I don't think they can get to the ACC title game, though, with Criswell as opposed to Drake May. So
0: here's the thing. I, I'm I'm with you on this. I think that there was a thought that creeped into my mind a couple weeks ago, and I said to myself, is there a chance? Because we're, we're going to be looking at a lot of different positions when it comes to the transfer portal and, and Carolina looking to add guys in the offseason. Is there a chance quarterback is one of those spots? After Saturday, I feel confident in saying they do not need to go into the portal and, and and find a quarterback. I think they've got that guy on the roster between these two guys. Maybe not for a starter, but just to add overall quarterback depth to the roster,
1: especially if you lose one of these two guys to the portal, then absolutely. But now, I don't even know
0: if you need to do that though cuz um, you got you got you got your boy Jefferson Boaz would still be on the roster, and look, all jokes aside, Jeff—he he can throw the football. He—he he set state records in North Carolina his senior year. I mean, he—he's got an arm, so Jefferson he's serviceable Boaz enough. Is not ever going to play a meaningful snap, at
1: Carolina.
0: but he—I to me, who are you going into the transfer portal to convince you are going to come here and be a backup? Th- that- you are not competing for a starting. Je- like that's not going to make any sense. So. You're not going to waste a scholarship spot on that guy. That's oh. what I'm saying. You got Boaz, and you've got Connor Harrell, who's a true freshman that's coming in in the 22 class. So
1: then, then yeah, if, if if they're not going in to get just a a starter, then they probably don't go in there. And I don't think they were going to do that anyway.
0: Right? But that see, that's the point that that I think you should have gotten to if you were a Tariel fan the other day, because I think look that. These guys are unknowns. You hadn't seen them as starters, and especially with the fact that we've been talking so much on this podcast already about how year four for Mac Brown is going to be crucial. I think that it was it was okay to have legitimate questions as to whether or not one of these two guys could be your guy going into next year. Mm-hmm. And I think you know again it's Wofford, but I think that this is this is a. Still, it's an FCS opponent, but it's it's a good benchmark for your guys. And I think both of them showed you that that they have a little something there.
1: Yeah, which was what you were wanting to get out of Saturday. Definitely. So and and, and I do think they got that. Um, I just I, I left Saturday thinking the future of Carolina's quarterback position is Drake May and not Jacoby Criswell.
0: I agree, and I, I think a lot of people really wanted to look at the fact that Criswell was more mobile than him. And I think, look, Criswell definitely did some good things with his legs on the ground. I was concerned about what I saw from Criswell going down the field because the intermediate and deep passing uh, moments that we saw from him were not good. Yeah, He missed on a couple of throws deep, and there were a couple intermediate throws across the middle of the field Uh, that he definitely should. He had one to Josh Downs where he just threw it into the dirt. And that's one that you want to see him be able to step up and confidently make against an FCS opponent. Where when Drake May came into the game, it looked like he was a little more comfortable back there. He looked a little more under control. The deep passes... Certainly, I mean, Criswell's got an arm. We can agree with that. That throw that he threw down the middle of the field to... I, I That was... Anton Green was, I think, still in the game at the time he gets tripped. Which should have been pass interference, but they called the ball uncatchable. Uh, which, I mean, look, Criswell did throw a bomb. But with May, the throw to J.J. Jones was a very catchable 50-50 ball. Which is what you're looking for on those deep patterns. I thought he just looked more accurate. It looked like he was going through his reads a little bit better than Criswell was. The one thing that concerns me is he took the only sack of the day and it came because he did what? Held the ball too long. Yep. So that's the only thing that concerns me. But I liked his mobility as well. He's kind of got that sneaky mobility. But as, you, as you're as you saying, he's definitely got to put on weight. But I feel like I think that there's going to be a drop-off because you're going from a once-in-a-generational quarterback like Sam Howell to a new starter. I feel like the drop-off is going to be pretty minimal, though, from him to Drake May based on what we saw the other day and, and also based on what we've seen from him before. We got a little bit of a look at him in the spring game, and he looked better than Criswell there as well.
1: Yeah. So I, mean, I, I think the, the biggest thing is that you feel confident moving forward. Carolina's got a quarterback that can get you in the next step of, of the of the program's ascension, and which is now that's the ACC title game because you still haven't gotten there. You've made a New Year's Six Bowl game, but you haven't made an ACC title game, and that's the next step for Carolina. Um, and, and I do think uh, they're more – it'll be more easier to do it with Drake May, but I do think there is enough with Criswell – and given Phil Longo's ability to adjust his offense as we've seen this year that they could work around some of his deficiencies and still be a team capable of of winning the ACC Coastal next season.
0: Yeah, so do you agree with me that going into spring camp at least Drake May should be the guy with yes. the slight lead in the battle? Yes. Cuz that's where I'm at.
1: He, he he if 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 Sam Howell doesn't play Friday, he starts.
0: Really? I see a lot of people that have said that they would go with Criswell over him just based on experience. I, what, do you, what do you have to lose in that? Yeah, man? I'm with you. I'm you have, with you. You have
1: nothing to lose I, against I, NC State.
0: Yeah, at this point, I mean, look, you, you're, what are you, fighting for a chance to be in the Cheez-It Bowl as opposed to the Music City Bowl? Or I don't even know how they're late at the Military Bowl? Like, I'm with you. I think if that's the guy that you feel like, and, and it reassured that to me the other day. We said it on the podcast the other day that we feel like in terms of their current floor, Jacoby Criswell has the higher floor. In terms of their ceiling though, it's Drake May. Yeah. And he, that showed the other day that it to me it's very clear. I think there's clear separation between the two in terms of what the trajectory could be with the two quarterbacks out there. I feel like Criswell is a safe option. And look, I'm not saying this guy's going to be Nathan Elliott or anything like that. This is a dude that would probably still be able to get you seven, eight wins if you get the right pieces around him. Drake May's a guy that could put your offense at the spot that it was at times last year, Mm -hmm. especially if that backfield can sort of progress along. Um, One of the negative things that came out of this game, though, probably the most negative thing, was the fact that Jaquarius Conley is now done for the season. Tore his knee up uh, on the first play of the game and literally the first play of the game. He was back there on kickoff return um, and ended up taking a hit. Looked, we knew it was something pretty serious at that time. Um, it was confirmed today that he is out for the season with a knee injury. So uh, Carolina now has to not only find... A kick returner, which in today's game, not the biggest concern. It's very rare that you're going to get those opportunities. Don't think there would have been many opportunities for him in this game against NC State. Anyways, the bigger issue is now Carolina's got to find a solution at Nickelback, a spot that he had settled into pretty nicely once again after starting the season at safety. He moved back down there about midseason and was having some decent success. Now Carolina – who you know their their defensive starters have struggled enough as it is. Now they're more than likely looking at a scenario where they're going to have to move Trey Morrison back to nickel, and Giovanni Biggers and Cam Kelly are going to have to play pretty much the entire game uh, against NC State. I think the biggest question is, I mean, how concerned are you about this?
1: It's it's very concerning um, given the struggles that Carolina has had with Aquarius Conley on the field, and many times he's been your best defensive back during the season. Now you're losing that guy and you're going to play against a quarterback that is going to be able to attack you through the air Devin Leary is a really good quarterback um and now you're asking on guys that haven't been consistent all year to play big in a big game. you should feel uh, you should have levels of concern, but you know none of that matters if Carolina gets pressure up front. so that's going to be something where when Jay Bateman's putting together his his scheme for this week is pressure's got to be the key. Mm-hmm. If 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 they can get to the quarterback and they can rattle Devin Leary, he's going to make some bad decisions. He's going to force a ball to you know here or there, and hopefully a guy like Cameron Kelly who's made opportunistic plays with in terms of interceptions, maybe you have a chance to make her play it too. If if Carolina can't get pressure up front and they can't get to the quarterback, it's going to be a long night for that secondary. And error. look,
0: I mean Leary's been playing well. For sure, down the stretch here. But, yeah, I mean, two weeks ago against Wake Forest, he threw two interceptions. So it, it it's possible to get this guy uncomfortable and to force him into mistakes. It's just about actually doing it. And Carolina's got the horses up front. The talent is there on paper. The problem is is that there's just been no consistency. This game has got to be the game where those guys show up. And I'm with you. Most I I I was talking about that today with a couple of people um, that follow the program, and they basically told me, "Look, that just ain't going to happen. You're going to need your defensive backs to be flawless." That's and not, I told them, "That's not going to happen." Yeah, that's that's never that's never going to happen because it, it it doesn't. We've seen it multiple times this year where if a quarterback's got eight nine seconds back there, it's not the initial routes that your guys are focused on covering and are doing a good job of taking away. It's the secondary improvised routes that end up coming open that are really hurting you. Mm -hmm. In this game against NC State, it will be crucial to get pressure on the quarterback, and now even, even more so. But what hurts about this is that one of those guys that you schemed a lot of blitzes with was Conley, was Conley, who had a lot more success. The high motor, that was the one thing about Conley. You could never doubt this season, even if he was not making the play, he was going to be in the area to make the play because he he is a guy that plays every single snap with the same type of intensity. And I mean, look, midseason, we gave him our midseason defensive player of the year award. Now I think I think personally, Cedric Gray's probably overtaken that with how good of a second half he's had, and Conley has struggled a little bit here and there. Ain't no
1: player worthy of getting defensive player of the year for this this season.
0: But I mean, look. Not having him out there now, you shift everything that you have to do. And look, I mean, Trey Morrison, I mean, he just he, – he is so up and down. Like, he has his moments where he's looked really, really good, but he's had his moments where he's really, really struggled, and he's not the greatest guy in coverage. Really hoping that NC State's not able to take advantage of that. And you're going to need – Giovanni Biggers and Cameron Kelly to probably play their best game of the season yep. going forward. Um, the other thing, the other aspect of this is I'm not really understanding why Jaquarius Conley was returning kicks in this game. Uh, past two weeks, he has been limping around on the field from time to time. It's been evident that something has been nagging at him a little bit, not enough to where he has to come out of the game. But enough to where, in the game against Wake Forest, I asked myself, why is he returning kicks? It's, it's obvious that something is not 100% right with him. They left him out there. He was It ended up working out. They left him out there against Pittsburgh. But in this game, you were playing an FCS opponent in Wofford, a team that you should have beaten by more than you actually ended up beating them by. You could have put somebody else back there. To try to return kicks for you, that that is just blowing my mind. I'm not gonna. I mean, it's it's not an egregious mistake no, from th- the coaching no, staff, no, that's, but
1: that's immature coaching. That's there's. If you need Aquarius Conley to return kicks to beat Wofford, you've got significant issues within your program. There shouldn't have been. If a guy was dinged up, that was that was on the injury report, he shouldn't have played Saturday.
0: Well, look, I mean, he wasn't on the injury report. So, So, I'm I'm not going to say, this is just me observing what I saw from him, which it looked like he was limping
1: around. You should have rested your most important players to have them ready for NC State.
0: I, I mean, look, I think it's just a bad circumstance. And I think this is another thing that I saw a couple people bringing up today when they announced that he was out for the season. Carolina may have the worst defensive back injury luck ever. Every year. It seems that there are at so, least so, four or five guys. So don't tempt fate. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on that one. That's that's immature. That that's immature
1: coaching, at its absolute finest. Like putting him out there, knowing that he has been going through some stuff the last couple weeks. Because if okay, if if we can see it then they can see
0: it. Well, I mean, look, he goes through. Clearly, Clearly, the training staff knows more than we do. They're going, if they feel like a guy is good enough to go, and he also probably had a, a role in that as well, saying, look, I want to play. I want to fulfill the role that I've been fulfilling. I don't, I'm not going to say that it's the coaching staff's fault. I'm not going to say that it's Conley's fault. I think that it is just, To lose a guy of that caliber against an FCS team like Wofford is just beyond frustrating because that's a game that you feel like we probably could have played the game without him and we would have been okay. That's, I think, the part that's got me most frustrated in this game because now you've got one of your best defensive players on a defense that isn't all that good at all that is now not going to be able to play against an offense that's gotten into a bit of a rhythm and a game that you value about as much as any other game on your schedule. Yep. So, uh, Carolina's got to make the adjustment and I mean, we'll talk about that when we preview the game a little bit more, but I mean, now you're you're just you're throwing guys out there that have been inconsistent all year and you're now begging them to play, play their best game of the season because frankly, we don't have anybody else behind you. Also, the depth gets even thinner at a spot where your depth has been relatively thin all season, and it's been that thin for the last couple of years. So it, definitely not the scenario that Carolina wanted to be in. One of the other things that I think's become very evident and was once again evident in this game, we I don't think we've talked enough here on the podcast, and this is my fault, about yes. the fact that the red zone offense is not good. If they cannot run the football and put it in the end zone, they this is not a team that's going to score in the red zone because they do not have that threat that can go up and get a jump ball. They've gotten to the point now, they don't even attempt that. That's not even a part of the offense. And you saw in that fourth quarter, it became very predictable from the one-yard line what Carolina was going to do and they couldn't score against an FCS Wofford team in the red zone.
1: Yeah, that's something that uh, when 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 Mac hired Phil, that was the biggest complaint that you got about Phil Longo's offense. From the 20 to the 20, he's as good as any coordinator there is in the country. And I think his stats will back that up. This offense has put up bunches of points and yards all three years. The issue was what were they going to do in the red zone? His first year, they were hit or miss, but that was understandable. First year to a new system freshman quarterback, you're going to have some growing pains. Last year, not as much as an issue because you had two running backs that could get you whatever you wanted. You had De'Ami Brown, you had Daz Newsom. So this year it was, okay, what are you going to do to counter that? And the beginning of the year it was a whole lot of nothing until the, the the red zone offense only improved because you finally said, hey, we got to run Sam Howell. Had they not incorporated him into the running game, who knows if this offense would have taken it, uh, had, had had improved in the red zone, which is why it comes back to that's where your tight ends should be a big part of your offense, especially with the athletic freak that you got in Bryson Nesmith, with Kamari Morales emerging at the middle part of the season. That's where you've got to incorporate those guys. But I told you from the beginning of the season that if they didn't get Bo Corrales back at some point, this offense was going to struggle in the 20s because that was that's his best ability is to just – Throw it up and let him go make a play, and he can do that. He's done it, and hopefully he'll be able to do it next year. But once you once it became apparent that you weren't going to get that back in your offense, there should have been more adjustments made. and And that's that's the next step for Phil Longo in his offense. Outside of everything, that I think he's gotten a lot better at his at his play calling. I think his in game adjustments giving. The you know with the the offensive line this year and the wide receiving core at times this year I think he's done a you know as good a job as he could have done but you look at the elite offenses what separates the Ohio States the Bama's the old misses of the world is that they don't kick field goals because in today's football field goals get you beat and so that's going into next year even though you're breaking in a whole new quarterback and skill position players you've got to get better
0: inside the twenty yard line. Yeah, and look, it's been overshadowed, I think, the last couple of seasons because you've been such a big play offense that you don't have to have that many opportunities inside the red zone because you're scoring from 40, 50 yards away with ease. This year, you've had to be more methodical. Yep. And when you've gotten into those situations, primarily here down the stretch of the season, you haven't had as much success. Go back to the Wake Forest game. You won that game, but you still were in the red zone seven times. How many touchdowns did you come away with? Four. Yep. You had to kick three field goals. Like, it, it. you need to be more consistent in there. There has not been a time here at the end of the season where Carolina's been able to go into the red zone and score a touchdown Every single time. They didn't do it in the game against Pittsburgh. That hurt them. There's, they, had the, they had to kick the field goal late. If you end up scoring a touchdown in that scenario, then you end up winning the game. So part of it is the I know a lot of people are angry with the play calling. I think part of it is the personnel, though. Yep. I don't see. The, they need a guy on the outside that can simply go up and get the football. And right now, I don't know if there's just no confidence, if it's not something that they've tried yet. I don't see how there is nobody on this roster that you feel like can do that for you at this point in the season. And I'm with you. I think Nesbitt should be the guy that you should try it with. But I thought the other day they should have tried it with J.J. Jones. J.J. Jones is 6'3". Throw the ball up. Let, I mean, what do you have to lose in that scenario? Let, let him go up and see if he can't come down with the football. Because now, I mean, even though, you know, I talked about it last week on the podcast when they landed Andre Green Jr. Yeah, that guy, I mean, that's what he does. But you're going to rely on a true freshman to come in and do that or a guy like Bo Corrales being able to come back to do that? You've got to be able to find somebody else in there that can give you something like that. And And, I mean... It's just it's 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 frustrating at this point because like you said that was the issue that we heard about Phil Longo when he first came in. Yep. The first year you saw it it materialized. Last year they did a pretty decent job with that. Even even with the fact that they scored as often as they did when they got in the red zone, they usually took care of business. Now this year I don't know what it is. I guess it's probably just the personnel. But are we sure that this is something that's not going to extend into next season?
1: Well, I mean, it's just, a lot of it stems from the fact that you you had one legitimate wide receiver before Antoine Green's emergence here at the back half of the year. Your offensive line, you couldn't you couldn't count on them to protect long enough to to do some of the things that you probably wanted to do. So it was just a byproduct of a lot of different things that you you had to account for when trying to make a simple play call. And to be honest with you, I don't. I'm not gonna say they were underprepared in their red zone offense, but for two years you've been able to score on big plays at will. You brought your quarterback back, and you added another dynamic. Play in the you know you bring in Josh Downs, you probably didn't foresee your offense taking that 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 step back at the beginning of the season in terms of getting the big plays. So it's just something that is probably not an in season fix. That's what spring ball will probably be the biggest focus for Phil Longo. Is we got to get more efficient in the red zone because, especially with your defense, like you you're you going to have to enter next year thinking we got to score thirty five to forty to win games, which is sad. Um, and so you got to get in that mindset of that field goals over the course of a game they're going to get you beat. Um, it's 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 how Wake Forest lost to us, even though we kicked three field goals, you were able to hold Wake Forest inside the red zone, and it ultimately came back to cost them. So. That's that's going to be something that I think Mac Brown, during the season, it's really hard to really make those kind of adjustments and get better at that overnight. You, that's going to be a big part of of spring camp, summer ball, and then, of course, getting ready for the preseason next season.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, no, no doubt about it. I think he's got to make that a, a big focus for this team. Um, and, and like you said, I mean, a p- big part of it is that the defense is just not – at a point where you feel like, look, we can kick field goals and still find ways to win games. I mean, it almost it almost cost you in that game against Wake Forest. Yep, and that was a game that you felt like you should have been dominating with the way that your offense played. I think the other key is you've got to find you you got to find that running you, you've got to find that running back again next year because I think you've got that in Ty Chandler this year. But you've got to find that guy that can put it in the end zone when he's in the red zone. I mean, Ty Chandler's got 13 touchdowns this year. But the bigger thing, you've got your offensive line inside the 20s has got to be better in run-blocking situations. They have got to be able to move these guys because the other day on fourth and one, or or, or on on no second and goal from what, the two-yard line, and then eventually turned into fourth and goal from the one-yard line. You somehow could not get into the end zone against Wofford. Didn't matter that you had backups in. You should have easily been able to get into the end zone. And you can you can say, well, they should have quarterback sneaked it or whatever. Does it you should have been able to get enough push up front to be able to get your running back into the end zone. And the fact that you can't is extremely concerning to me.
1: Yeah. And I you know that's something that I, <laughs> I think it's just a byproduct of a lot of different issues that really made it hard in the season to kind of overcome. And maybe maybe that's an excuse and I and, and and I'm not here to make excuses for the guy, but I think that was just something that and Mac Brown and probably and they just addressed, look, this is something that we're going to have to fix when we have when we have time to fix it. We don't have you don't have time in the season to really address your biggest issues. You just got to figure out what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. You, you've
0: got to be able to adjust to them yep. at this point.
1: And and so that's that's going to be that's going to be the thing for him. He's not entering next season on the hot seat. Like he's not going to be coaching for his job, the guy's going to get interviewed for head coaching jobs this offseason, you could probably imagine. But if he comes back, that's going to be the one thing that Mac Brown will be able to look at him and say, "Hey, look, I love what you did on incorporating the quarterback in the running game. Third down offense. Whatever. This is where we got to get better. We need six instead of three. When we get when we get that, then we're the then we're Oklahoma. Then we're Ohio State. Right. Then we're Alabama. Then we're because right now Carolina's a very good offense. You fix that, you become an elite offense. Well, and then well, you can overcome your defense sucking.
0: Look at their offensive look at their offensive numbers. If you just look at the ones that most people are going to look at. Which is points per game, total offense, passing yards per game, rushing yards per game, and th- those are those they are inside of the top twenty-five in every one of those categories. And those so are flawed metrics. They're a good offense. They are very a, a very good offense. They're they're not flawed metrics. They they tell you that Carolina can do what they can move the football up and down the field, but they're a team that right now is so even more than last year, and I would say even in twenty nineteen. They are so big play dependent. If they can't get the big play, they're not going to be able to move the football. And at this point, they're not going to be able to score. Yep. So that's uh, that's the point that you're at. You've got to get that ironed out. Now, as I mentioned, it starts up front in the trenches. And I thought the other day, I mean, you had some good individual performances. Like I mentioned, Ray Velosic had some really good moments. Same thing with Kevin Hester Jr., Carolina was still not anywhere near as dominant as they needed to be in the trenches. You may be saying, well, they ran for 305 yards. There were still times where you just looked at the way that this team played the other day, especially on the defensive side of the football, and you said this team, this Wofford team is still making plays, winning drives against the Torreels down low. That's something that just cannot happen happen and it at this point I think it's it's a question of effort more than anything because the lack of consistency is just just driving me insane
1: yep and I think you know a few weeks ago we we really ripped Jay Bateman and rightfully so but we we identified that we were willing to give some of the other defensive coaches a chance to come back and and, and have a fourth season. I've moved on from the idea I want Tim Cross coaching my defensive line. And it's really hard to say because I think he brings a lot of great value to Carolina recruiting. I think he brings a lot of great energy. But I think it's proven he's not getting through to these guys the way that he needs to get through to them. And if you're questioning effort against an FCS opponent, that's a problem. And look, some of that's a player issue but that's also a- I think it's
0: a scheme issue too. Um, I am I am I am so over the three man defense because how many times has this three man defensive front just gotten destroyed because you're it's it's just this I know you've got talented guys you right now and maybe Travis Shaw changes this. You do not have somebody at nose tackle that can handle playing through double teams. And that is the that is the biggest issue for your run defense right now is there are times where your interior defensive lineman, your your nose tackle just gets completely obliterated and right through the middle teams are able to pick up huge gains on you. It's happened the, for the almost the entirety of the second half of the season. And the fact that it's happening against FCS opponents is a problem. The other issue is that you don't have the edge defenders that can handle playing the run in space, and you've got to find those two aspects. Now, the edge defenders—that's not on Tim Cross, but the interior defensive line—and it's not all on him. That's another thing where moving on from Jay Bateman to me wouldn't be the worst thing, because you—you've got—you've got to see a different scheme in here. I, I don't. And this is this is something that's really become more and more popular throughout college football. I don't get the infatuation with the three man front. I've never gotten that infatuation.
1: Yeah, and and look, if if the players quit on the scheme, can you really blame them? No, because they don't think they're being put in the best position to make the plays that.
0: I mean, it's not wor- clearly,
1: it's not working. We we think they're capable of making. I've, I've said it. Since the since the defensive game against uh, Georgia Tech, if if he's retained, you, you shouldn't have any faith in Mac Brown getting this program where you want to get it to. And that's just that's maybe that's harsh. I also think that's just facts. The guy's not getting the job done. And I was skeptical about the hire because he was coming from a system that allowed his defense to thrive because they were on the field for twenty to twenty five minutes. And I think three years has proven it's not a scheme that can hold up at the Power 5 level. And, look, the ACC may have a down year as an overall conference. There's still good quarterback play in this conference. There's still great skill skill talent in this conference, and you're giving up points left and right to these types of teams that you shouldn't be giving them up to um, as, 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 as often as he is. So, you know, that's just something that uh, you, you need. I think you need to overhaul the scheme. And I'm still not convinced the talent is what we think it was coming off the recruiting ranks. I still think they need an upgrade of talent at all three levels. um, But I don't think none of that matters until you get rid of Jay Bateman. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you can recruit every player that Georgia has. They still would not play well in this defense.
0: I mean, yeah, I, I think you're getting to that point because I, I'm I'm not with you on the talent. I think the thing is, is that because you have all these talented guys and every single one of them seems to be struggling. Here's my thing. If, if, I'm not getting how every one of them is not living that, up if to they expectations. If they were that talented,
1: they would still overcome the deficiencies they're being put in. They'd still be able to make plays. That's what makes great players great. The talent's overrated to a certain degree. I still think Carolina has talent. It's not like under with with Larry where Carolina didn't have talent. Like Carolina had no talent to Larry Fedora his last two to three years defensively. I don't think that's the case, but I don't think it's as talented as they were coming out of the recruiting ranks.
0: Oh, no. I, I think there's definitely some guys that are not living up to their recruiting rankings so far. You're just hoping that as their careers go on, you can either get more out of them or you've got guys coming in behind them that will live up to their recruiting rankings. So – Uh, But, yeah, I I think – and we'll we'll talk more about that when when the season comes to an end here as to what exactly you do. Now, it's interesting because here's the thing. More than likely, if you're going to make a move and you're going to bring in a new defensive coordinator, you're probably going to have to make that move before your bowl game. So, in order for him to be able to – whoever the person is to be able to recruit – what they're looking for to
1: fit their defensive scheme. So Jay Bateman should be fired Saturday morning. Yeah, I, you, I'm. You, I'm with you. I, you, I, I you, mean, you, you play the game Friday night that you're most likely going to get beat. You go back home. You wake up Saturday morning. Tell him Happy Thanksgiving. You're fired. And he's done. Yeah,
0: Just tell him, look, it's not working out. And I mean, look, I I think. You, more than likely, you're still going to keep a relatively similar scheme because most teams have a similar scheme in the fact that they're trying to get the best athletes on the field. That's the reason why you're seeing so many of these schemes that have three-man fronts, two edge rushers, because you're trying to get the best athletes on the field. But yeah, I mean, there's there's legitimate talk that we we've been saying for a while now we have to have at the end of this season about a lot of these coaches, especially the ones on the defensive side, mainly because of the coach, the head coach that is in place. Um, The last thing, I I thought this. I'm interested to see what you think on this. I didn't think that we got a ton of answers the other day when it came to some of the positions of need outside of quarterback that we're going to have this offseason. I felt like this was an opportunity to maybe – Find out a little bit more about your running backs. None of them really had all that great of days. I mean, you saw Caleb Hood. I mean, he had eight carries for 15 yards. DJ Jones was banged up early in the game, supposedly, according to Mac Brown. So he didn't get a ton of run. Um, you know, wide receiver, got a look at JJ Jones, but that was really about it. You didn't get a look at a lot of the other guys. Um, and then, you know, I thought at linebacker, I mean, he got a little bit of a look at Power eccles once again, but you didn't really get to see what Ra-Ra Dilworth had either. This was a game where Wofford did a tremendous job of taking time off the clock with a couple of long drives, and I think it really limited what you were able to do and the plan that you probably had going in to get a look at a lot of your younger guys.
1: That's going to be the only benefit about this team going to a bowl game, is that you're going to get 12 to 15 extra practices, and Carolina should treat that game as a chance to play the young guns and figure out what you got heading into next spring and getting a good gauge of what you need to go at in the portal and where you need to address in the future recruiting classes um and, and look a lot of that was just by bi- part of the way Wofford wanted to play they wanted to run the football they wanted to short the clock so the game went by relatively quick i was a fan of it three outlet games over in less than 3 hours i could get used to that again but it's just something that um that, that that's going to be what what the the winter period is going to be important for Carolina. The bowl game—that's th- why it was important to make a bowl game—was because you're going to get a chance to see them. Because you're going to have a lot of guys that won't play in the bowl game. That's just—that's just the nature that we live in now.
0: Guys are going uh, to. I mean, who? Who? Uh, Sam and what? Maybe Jeremiah Gimmel. There's going to be dudes. Who that else? Who won't else? Won't no, no offense. Who else from this team do you think is right now going to the NFL? Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Ty Chandler should. I, I think Ty Chandler has a, has a chance to be an NFL player, and I wouldn't be shocked if he set this one out. Other than those three, I don't really see another. Per, maybe an underclassman. I know some people have said Storm Duck could be a guy to watch, but I think with his health his health issues, I don't I don't see an NFL team really going and and and, and looking at him as a guy. To me. That I would take in the first two days of the draft. Which, is if I'm Storm Duck and I'm not going that high, I'm probably coming back. Other than that, I mean, is there anybody else that we're really looking at here? I mean, unless the coaching staff is telling guys, "Hey, we're going to sit you out," which I, I don't see them doing that because we heard Mac Brown say multiple times how big this was for the seniors to be able to play in a third bowl game.
1: Yeah, I I don't know, but you know that, that I'm
0: I'm agreeing with so. I think you need to see more rotation in that game than you even saw in this game. Even if you're in a position where you're not going to win the bowl game or you're in a tight game, this should be more about evaluating what the roster is going to look like next year. I felt like there was legitimate concern at a point on Saturday And I don't know, to me, I don't think it was justified because I think even your backup guys could have still beaten that team. They should have still been able to beat that team. I think there was legitimate concern early in that second half that Wofford was in the game and that you were in trouble. You were in danger of not winning the game, which to me didn't make much sense. We should have seen the younger guys earlier, in my opinion. I I, I agree with you. So, yeah, we'll we'll see going forward uh, how everything plays out. Of course, with the bowl game and everything like that, Carolina right now, interestingly enough, could be playing here in Charlotte. They have rumored that right now Carolina, uh, I've seen this from a couple of different outlets. Brett McMurphy was the latest uh, who works for Stadium. He said that Carolina right now, he would project them in Charlotte to the Dukes-Mayo Bowl against Arkansas. That would be some test for Carolina and potentially one of the younger quarterbacks. Also, what an interesting storyline that could be for Jacoby Criswell if he gets a chance to start that game against the team that was recruiting him heaviest yep. outside of Carolina. So, real quick, we'll uh, take a-, a quick break, uh, tell you about our sponsor, DraftKings. Then, of course, we'll come back uh, and to give you guys our player of the game, Get a couple of closing notes in there. But first, from DraftKings, they want you to know that, look, this Thanksgiving, be thankful for family, food, and free bets. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a Turkey Day no-brainer you can't miss. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game on Thanksgiving and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the Thanksgiving NFL action. Make your first deposit and you can play free for millions with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use the promo code TPPN, bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. That's promo code TPPN this Thanksgiving at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's take a look at our player of the game here for uh, the Wofford game. To me, it was pretty simple. I think there were a couple of guys that had good performances. Both quarterbacks really performed pretty well. But on senior day why not give it to a senior. British Brooks stepped up in this game. Career day for him. 89 yards, two touchdowns on just seven carries. And uh I mean th- this is this is a great moment for him, especially with the fact that we saw, you know, him start the game the, the Orange Bowl game last year, which was a, had to be just an unreal moment for him. Um and then, you know, we thought Might have a little bit of a role in this offense with how high they valued him in that game. He's pretty much been reserved to special teams all of this year, just as he has been for most of his career. He gets his opportunity in this game and steps up with a tremendous performance.
1: Yeah, it was nice to see him into his Tar Heel career on a high note. He's been an unsung hero of this team on special teams, and whenever he's been given his, his chances to play, he's made the most of that. He saw that again on Saturday and. You love, you love rewarding the guys that stick it out, stayed here all four years, knowing he was never going to have a big role, just loved being a Tar Heel, loved being a part of Carolina, and, and it was really cool to see him have a, a solid performance in this final game in Keenan Stadium.
0: All right, so we take a look at the closing notes. I uh, did want to update this on some of the milestone watcher, watches for this season. Ty Chandler did reach the 1,000-yard mark, so that is now the 31st 1,000-yard rushing season in Carolina history. Um, that He's a guy that I, I think, when you look back on it, you're going to wonder if this offensive line was better, how good of a season could this guy have had? Could he have been somewhere in that range of what we saw last year from Michael Carter and from Javante Williams? Uh, just a, a tremendous one-year uh, stint here in Chapel Hill for Ty Chandler, and he'll look to close it out uh, against NC State and potentially in the bowl game as well. Josh Downs easily remains on pace to break the single-season receptions and receiving yards record. Um, you know he, he's it's it's going to be close for him in terms of the receptions to catch Ryan Switzer. Um, during the regular season, I think, it, it, in the bowl game, he'll definitely break that. Receiving yards record, he should break that next week. That should be no issue. He should overtake Akeem Nix. And, uh, look, just a, a great year from him. The, the The touchdown number has sort of dwindled, but I think the best thing about with, with him is that we thought at some point this season teams will be able to find a way to take him away, and they still haven't really done that. I mean, he's still playing tremendous football. I mean, the other day, still eight catches for 89 yards, and that was really with his snaps being limited in the second half. So this guy is a do-it-all receiver. It would be great to see him break both of those records, and you wonder if he could come back and break some of his own records here over the next couple of years in this Tar Heel offense, especially if Drake May can build upon what we saw from him the other day. Meanwhile, Eric Ebron, the Tar Heels' former tight end, Gave a, quote, significant gift. That's how Mac Brown phrased it earlier today uh, to the university. And as a result, he is getting the tight end room named after him. It will be the Eric Ebron tight ends meeting room. So, of course, Carolina's got a bunch of other ones that have been named after uh, players. Akeem Nix had uh, his name put on one of the rooms earlier this year. And, of course, the most notable uh, was the one that was donated uh, by a couple of former player, a group of former players, actually, uh, to Quincy Monk, the former linebacker who, of course, passed away from cancer uh, back in the mid-2000s. So, um, you know, the, definitely a cool thing for Eric Ebron and, and and very cool to see a lot of these former Tarios wanting to get involved in, in these different types of ways and putting money uh, into the football program, which is something that you really didn't see a lot uh, under the previous regimes, but you're really seeing under Mac Brown, and if anything, that's one of the things that Mac Brown is really trying to bring to Carolina football is that close-knit group that wants to come back and be a part of everything that is happening uh, on campus. So uh, that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Uh, Make sure you guys head over to the website. Check out all the stuff we've got there from the Wofford game. Uh, We got the Wofford recap up there. Check out the takeaways from that. I go a little more in-depth uh, on the quarterback uh, position and, and, and how those two guys looked the other day, why I think Drake May right now is the better option for Carolina uh, heading into next season than Jacoby Criswell. Again, it's still early, but I think right now he probably has a slight lead uh, heading into the off season if things stay where they're at uh, as of today. And, uh, also make sure that you check out the stock report, which is up on the website right now. You guys can check that out. Um, check out the guys that are trending up, uh, and check out the groups that are trending down as well as we head towards, uh, the game against NC state this Friday at seven o'clock. That'll be an ESPN game. and We'll have you covered with that. Uh, starting with the preview. We'll go in depth as we always do team breakdown, stack comparisons, Um, All that great stuff. Injury reports as well. We'll try to get you uh, a pretty timely injury report on what's going on with Sam Howell uh, when we put that article out. Probably will be on Thursday night, so we'll have you as up-to-date as we possibly can um, as we get you prepared for that. Then, of course, uh, we'll have you covered on the back end with those two things that I just talked about. We'll have an NC State recap, and then we will have... The stock report. After that, then we go into sort of the bowl season mode. We'll, of course, be looking at all the different places that Carolina is being mocked to in bowl games. Um, And then, of course, we'll we'll have to start getting into the conversation about NFL draft stuff. Uh, Early signing period will be right around the corner. So even though the regular season for Tar Heel football is starting to wind down, there's still a lot that's on the table, still a lot that has to be talked about going forward Throughout the rest of the season, so make sure that you keep uh, an eye on the website healtoughblog.com for all of that. Also, basketball side of things, basketball team is uh, off and rolling. Somehow, they are already five games into the season, two weeks into the season as well. Carolina three and two on the season. Not quite the weekend that they were hoping for up in Unkinsville, Connecticut, but Josh has he covered uh, with a breakdown of what happened to Carolina up there, how they get things back on track here as they circle back around uh, to face UNC Asheville before a little bit of a break for Thanksgiving, so all that stuff is on the website. You guys can check all that out as well, Uh, and when you're there, check out both podcasts as well. Those are on the website. Uh, We have a tab up there for both of them, one for the Heel Tough blog podcast and for the Four Corners podcast. Uh, So Make sure that you check both of those out or wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all those great places. When you do, make sure that you subscribe as well when you go to those uh, websites uh, so that you don't miss an edition of the podcast. It goes straight into your podcast library and it'll be right there so that you can listen to that edition of the podcast when it's fresh off the presses. You're definitely going to want to do that. And then head over to the Facebook page as well, or Metaspace page. I don't know what they're calling it at this point. I'm lost. Have they made the official transition? Who knows? Uh, But one of those two, whatever its named now, we've got a page up there for you guys. That's the best place to find everything. The audio editions of the podcast, the video editions of the podcast, all those articles that we talked about, it's all in one central location. We share them into a lot of those Facebook groups, but... The best way to do it is to just like the page so that everything is right there for you. It'll pop up on your timeline whenever we have a video premiere that comes out or a live edition of the podcast. It'll go right, uh, you'll get a notification and you can go right into it. All that great stuff when you like and follow the Heel Tough blog page on Facebook and then head over to the to the other social media site that we have for the Heel Tough Blog. That is Twitter at Heel Tough Blog for the official page, and then for our personal pages, it's at HTB Anthony for me, at HTB Josh for Josh, and at Hackzover Two for Zach Hubbard, our recruiting guy. So that wraps up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.